It's Coalfield and Company. Thank God it's... Friday, a different feeling Friday in March as the uh, main field of the NCAA tournament has started. We're down here at the Westgate, Superbook Sports, Superbook USA. You know it. You love it. They've got uh, multiple viewing spots throughout the property. Mask are on. Distance is being abided by. And we're watching NCAA basketball. Last year, hoo-hoo, right? Oh, yeah. By the way, did the year go quickly for you, or do you think it dragged along? Uh, I will give you the answer that I think everybody says. It went insanely slow very fast. Okay. It's like it seemed like it took forever, but also it felt like it was yesterday. All right. Yeah, I thought it went fast, but, you know, maybe I can't remember the uh, boring spots and depressing spots along the way. Uh, Loyola is up 10 now, 64-54. Kind of scoring at will. 245 left. We'll see if they can close this out. Porter Moser, one of the uh, Sweet 65 on the UNLV head coaching candidate list. (laughs) He actually could be in the mix. I thought he was supposed to get the job last time. Uh, No, he wasn't one of the. He wasn't one of the favorites. I saw a report that it was all but done. Is that right? I don't remember that. Uh, I remember. Okay. (laughs) I remember everything. All right. I don't remember who. I don't remember who said that. Wow. What a close for Loyola. Now up 11. This is nuts. It's a good team. Right? Yeah, they're a, they're a really good team. It's weird, like, you know, throughout a college hoop season, where I think everyone's, like, I think there's teams, and you can speak to this because you're a college hoops fan, where you just stumble upon them and you end up watching, like, an odd amount of their games throughout the year. Loyola Chicago was that team for me this year. For some reason, I was just free during their games, watched all three of their all of their matchups with Drake, you know what I mean, like things like that. So I have seen quite a bit of them. I, I do like this team. And Moser's got a, a choice here because he can go. I think he can go straight to Power Five. I don't think he has to go to a place like DePaul or or UNLV. Um, you know, but does he leave the the comforts of a good job where he's making good money? It's always a a tough decision. Right, and, and like, and not only comfort of like good job, all that stuff. A place where more than likely, you could foresee he's just never getting fired. You know, oh, yeah, never, but like it's security beyond security. Now that he's had, uh, if they win this and he had a Final Four run, right? I mean, he's he's guaranteed for five years, unless you know, year four and five, he's like, uh, you know, ten and sixty. Right. Which is probably not going to happen. So sixty-seven fifty-nine, two minutes left. Looks like Georgia Tech is going to bow out nine seed without its best player, Loyola. Could move on in this one. All right, let's do it. It's time for the three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. So we got a lot of coaching rumors, John. A lot of coaching rumors I mentioned earlier. I've got that uh, rolling list of uh, everyone I've seen mentioned for the UNLV job by the media, the Internet fans. Uh, Today pushed it to 65. 65 candidates. Uh, The name, one of the names that was added today was Woj, Dukey. Didn't work out for him, Marquette. He went 128-95. I think he was 58-69 and in the Big East. He's going to get a second chance somewhere. Uh, should UNLV kick the tires, you know, like New Mexico did, eventually, you know, doing more than kicking the tires with uh, Richard Patino, who was in 
the uh, you know the Big Ten. I will argue that the Big Catholic is not much better if it's any better at all than the Mountain West Conference. But uh, so I don't think it's a big drop down for Woj. What do you think will happen with them? Uh, yeah, I think if if you're asking the question, should they kick the tires? I, I would say yes, absolutely. If you can go out and and if he is willing to you know make the move out to UNLV in Las Vegas to do, take the job, I would say yeah, give it a kick and and see if he's worth it. They made two tournament appearances under him. They didn't win any games, but did a relatively solid job. Uh, in terms of a price, he was making two million uh, uh, per year. Yeah, I mean that's I mean I would think that you are if you're him ready to take a pay cut to an extent because you just got fired. I think UNLV is in the realm of offering something that is yep. um, competitive that well, he would be willing to consider. You know, I mentioned Rich Patino for a reason. Richard, yep. uh, he was at Minnesota making pretty good money. Um, he gets a day, he gets a job like the day he gets fired, basically. You know, right. that, you know, before he got fired, he and the AD Nunez down at New Mexico were talking. Uh, his deal is for six years, and it's just under five million. And you know, Jeff Grammer from the Albuquerque Journal told us about a week ago they, they basically had seven fifty, eight hundred a year, mm-hmm. and I think they got a guy who can certainly recruit. Um, I think in a lot of ways, Richard Pitino and, and Woj are about the same. You know, guys who were trying to learn on the job, uh, maybe not there yet as X's and O's head coaches, but I think both can recruit. So New Mexico got their man for 800000 And, again, I'm not saying that I think Steve Wojciechowski is, like, the number one candidate, but I think he's worth talking to for UNLV. Right. Like, that's the whole point, right? It doesn't mean you have to go out and get him, but he is definitely somebody that should probably be on their radar. Yeah. he's. Uh, I think he would have been the fir- one of the first guys in line to take over for Coach K. Maybe he will. That's the other thing. Maybe he looks at it, and Duke looks at it. Well, you know what? Here, here's the thing on Duke. Is Duke looking at it for the uh, the next coach for Coach K, or is Coach K looking at it? Wouldn't you think whoever he says is the guy who follows him, that's the guy who follows him? Yes. Like he controls it? Yeah, I would say 100%. Kind of like Wisconsin, right, with Greg Gard? Mm-hmm. And you don't really have a choice as a school. It's just like, no, 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 no. What I say is going to happen here. So that could be a potential. Arkansas wins earlier today. They were down for a while. Tight game against Colgate, but they uh, wound up blowing out Colgate by 17. Uh, the must bus is on lots of lists, even though he just got to Arkansas a couple years ago. If you're at Arkansas, would you consider leaving for Indiana? Not really. I, I don't. I don't get. I mean, good for IU for shooting high. And, you know, he's another guy who's a hot name, and he's won at multiple spots, and he's won quickly. I don't think I'd leave. I think it's kind of a lateral move, right? I think the SEC is a, a very underrated basketball conference. Do a really solid job. He's already making 2.5, I guess, if, you know, they're going to shell out, what, four? Yeah, four, oh, they'll, 4. They'll, 5, keep, they'll, 5. They'll, they'll keep going. Oh, you're saying Indiana, or will Arkansas Indi- match it? No, I'm saying Indiana. Like, you know, like, are they going to be able to put up enough where Arkansas can't match it and that he's got to say no? I would say probably not. I think Arkansas can match anything it wants. Right. And will. So, like, what what would be the step up for him? It, it wouldn't really be anything. Oh, uh, we're talking, like, you know, true. Well, I was going to say true blue blood. I don't think Indiana's a true blue blood anymore. So, I don't if you know, if North Carolina or Duke – or UCLA came calling? Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, Muss also, it's weird. With UCLA, they've got a very stringent background check, and apparently Muss, when uh, the job was available, didn't pass their standards. So right now we got Oregon State up 15, 10 minutes left against Tennessee. That's a 12-5, 50-35. 
Uh, Loyola Chicago trying to close it out. 111 left. 68-59 against Georgia Tech. So I, I want to get your take on uh, UNLV from this standpoint. First on the, the Otzelberger angle, right? Are you surprised he left? Are you mad that he left? What do you think about him leaving? Uh, so I would say no. Like, uh, you're never really mad for a guy taking a, a better position, right? One that's better for him if it's, you know, going back home, all that kind of garbage we want to use, right? And I shouldn't say garbage. But, like, it was the same thing with Beard. Like, Beard leaving in the f- style that he did, we can quibble about all the details that went behind it. But at the end of the day, Beard was taking a job that was close to him personally. And it seems to be the same thing with T.J. Altsberger. So I would never slide a man um, for trying to what he perceives as a step up. You know, the, the, job. you know, the funny thing is when we hear more and more about the uh, the connection between the AD, Jamie Pollard, and Altsberger going back years and years and years and years, doesn't yeah. it seem like he could have just stayed at South Dakota State and gotten the job anyway? Oh, like, yeah. Why even come here? Right. I mean, unless, I, unless he thought that there was going to be quite like a little bit more time, right, in between the job being open and he wanted to take his shot there. Uh, I mean, he did. Did he want to take a step up because he knew he was losing Mike Dom, one of the best college basketball players, and wanted to see if he could build something up on his own? I don't know. Uh, but you're right. Like, it's very close to him leaving South Dakota State. But I would think maybe my initial thought on that would be maybe he just didn't think the job was going to be open this soon. Yeah. Uh, it took a couple of days for the thing to come together in terms of uh, working out the contract and buyout terms and all that between UNLV and Iowa State. I thought it was really interesting. With some of the biggest college basketball insiders, you saw the reports locally, and you know we confirmed it as well here at ESPN Las Vegas that Altsberger was gone. It came from the RJ, then Chris Norlander, CBS, backed it up. Um, yeah, I was told that the assistants were told a couple of days ago on that same day, so he was gone. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little weird that some of the biggest name college basketball insiders didn't say a thing, like John Rothstein. Ott seemed to feed a lot to Rothstein. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. You know, that mm-hmm. I don't know if he was carrying his water, but they all held off on it. Um, but here's the bottom line. They all know the, the, the real connected college basketball insiders, as well as some of the folks here, including Adam Hill and myself, that going back to February 15th, the talk was there that he could be going. And Norlander even said that the deal's been done for a while. I crack up when I... When I see people outside the market talk about UNLV and the job, I saw a tweet the other day. Uh, a dude was saying who's a, a fancies himself a college basketball insider. So what I've been telling you for a week is now official. A week. All right. Well, we were telling people on February 15th that it was likely to happen. Uh, UNLV coach T.J. Otzelberger will take the Iowa State job. The question, who ends up at UNLV? As weird as it sounds, they don't have as much money to spend on a coach or spend you know as much money as you think to spend on a coach. All right. Mm, do they? Are they? Are they that cash strapped? They can do it. Yes. <laughs> they can spend the money to go. Get I bo- I'm telling you, if if lots of people at the school wanted Rick Pitino, they would come up well, with a ten million dollar buyout. I was going to say they like, would. Uh, we they were would. To, that year when you know there was all that like fuss around Pitino. Uh-huh. The, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it not four million that they were ready to give him like per year? Like, <laughs> Relax were, with the not that much money. I mean, $10 million buyout is significant, but they also just got an $8 million uh, donation to the program. I'm not saying that means that they could pay 10 but there are certain donors who would step up. Of course. Um, I don't know what the, you know, what the deal with the, the wins are now, right? But that they were the ones who were trying to draw Patino as far back as 2001. That was the whole story of Joanne Patino being left at McCarran for a while, and that kind of was the final straw for her, and she said, 
I'm out, and that was before Spoon Hour came on board. There, there's money here. There's money, but, you know, people want to know, hey, I'm going to get my guy. Yep. You know, and then that also comes with a certain amount of control and influence with the booster. I don't think Desiree Reed Francois wants to go down that path, and I also don't believe that she wants to be in the Rick Pitino business. It's not her style, John. Mm-hmm. It's just not. So, and the money thing, they've got the money. Trust me. They've got the money if they need it. They can put it together. So if there's a you know a high-level name that boosters want and money steps up, they can go that route. I don't know that they're going to go that route. We'll get more into UNLV in the opening. I was just going to say, and then when they uh, shell out like $2.5 per year for anybody, will the same person be like, that's insane that they got this much money. Nobody saw it coming. Well, I mean, common sense would say they were in the running for Mick Cronin. Right. And they, were, and, and they were going to push his salary beyond three. Yeah. Jamie Dixon was talked about. His salary was going to be more like three and a half, four. Didn't happen, but the folks can come up with the money. Trust me on this one. Uh, Knights are in action. Boy, they're hot right now. But, you know, the Kings have gotten better over the last 20 games or so. Darren Millard's going to step in for his uh, weekly spot on these uh, Fridays and give us a preview of the game tonight and what's been going on the last couple of weeks for the Knights. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Nosek, left circle, feeds right, and a shot. They score! The Knights have taken a Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. A little VGK action. On the way back with the uh, Martinez goal. Boy, Tennessee is just not getting back into this one. Stupid turnover, open court, and there's a layup. Goal 10. Yep. 59-42. Yes, the 12-seed Oregon State on top of Tennessee. Tennessee had 11 points with four minutes left in the first half. And, it, uh, you know, they scored, but... They haven't defended, and Oregon State, just like in the Pac-12 tournament, not a good three-point shooting team all year, and in the Pac-12 tournament, they shot like 47%, and today, last check, they were like 9 of 19, so team, teams get hot, John, at the end of the season. Uh, right now, there's no one hotter than the Golden Knights. Darren Millard checks in. Darren, how you doing, buddy? Good. So we got a 12-5 upset brewing yep. here? Uh, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it's guaranteed, but they're up 17 with six minutes left, so... They're in good shape. Well, I've seen I've seen bigger collapses in my days, but uh, I would like to uh, chalk that one up uh, right now. Yes, especially if I'm on the side of the uh, the big lead, I've seen yes, I've seen worse collapses. Correct, correct. No I, I will say this: that uh, I watched some of that Pac-12 uh, tournament from above uh, because we did our the road games in St. Louis oh. from T-Mobile. And then after we were done in the press box, I just walk over to the balcony and watch some of the Pac-12. As good as the basketball was, there is nothing like watching Bill Walt warm up for his <laughs> broadcast during a game and yeah. all the different things that he does uh, in anticipation of a game. It was surreal to watch Bill do his thing uh, uh, just up a few rows from the, from the court. Every broadcaster should wish that they have the energy that Walton has at his age when they get to that age. Right. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He was doing these, these, these sorcerer moves on his play-by-play guy. 
well, when they were doing the opening, and he was uh, he was stretching around, and he was boop, booping and bobbing, and it was it was outstanding. I couldn't take my eyes off him. Yeah, Bill Walton, 68 now, 68. All right, 18-point lead, Oregon State, 12 over 5, five and a half we minutes We calling left. it? We calling it? I won't do that. that. That'll get you in trouble. Billy Packer did that like 20 years ago, and he almost got fired. Really? Well, not really, but he did. He did. He did say uh, it's over for a game, and then he got mocked and chided for a little wow. while. For a little while. For, John, I mean, Johnny, you gonna call it? I would say that if this is an NBA game, it was still open. I'm gonna call it. I think it's over. Okay. Twelve five. Nice. Okay, there you go. Going out on the limb. Uh, are you a bracket guy? Did you fill out brackets? I did fill out a bracket, uh, but I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, I don't have any clue, and uh, even more so. Uh, there was a time when I thought I could I could legitimately uh, pull off a, a, a good bracket, but right now it's just sort of dropping the pen and seeing which way uh, it points. Uh, I'm just slightly above that. So let's talk about this game tonight. Uh, Kings are yep. on deck, on the road. BGK has been playing awesome hockey. The Kings have actually been... You know, kind of troublesome for a lot of teams out there. Last 17, what, 9-4-4? Four, and four. Kings were expected to be kind of mediocre. This is a good run. Yeah, yeah, a good run. But they're still, even in their last 10, they don't have five wins. So it's like, mm. it, it looks, I think it looks better than it actually is. Uh, the, the Where they've given teams trouble is uh, they, they've been very good on the power play and their goaltending is excellent. And they can squeak out games. Uh, Cal Peterson is, if he's not the number one guy already, uh, he's the uh, the co number one, and uh, Jonathan Quick is just uh, fighting to, to for every start that he gets now, and or looking to see whether a team will will take his salary off uh, off LA's hands uh, for the next couple of years. Uh, the they they can they can get some stuff done. Their their kids have been better, Steve. Uh, they're they're up and comers. Uh, in the last uh, well the quarter of the season, the second quarter of the season if I can phrase it that way, have been much better than they were in the opening quarter and have taken some, some pressure off Andre Kopitar uh, and Dustin Brown, but it still relies on Brown, Dowdy, and, and Kopitar and a little bit on, on Jeff Carter. How crazy was the vibe the other night as we're watching the Knights struggle, they're down 3-1, and then they freaking storm back with four straight goals? Well, the, the weird part to me was there wasn't much going on for the first six minutes of that third period so it's it's not like the the ultimate third period comeback where the coach gives the speech and they come out and they just dominate from the drop of the puck for the final period that took a while to get going and and they score the first goal and that what where we are now is once they get one then you really think this can happen it's just how long it takes them to get one and they were up against the clock uh before they got their their one uh and they got their, their goal, and then Stone fights. And I was of the belief, what, uh, thinking, okay, that, that's going to really hurt their comeback chances. Their, their best skater is in the penalty box for the next five minutes. How are they going to pull this thing off now? And they just found a different way. It, uh, it was surreal. The, the, the crowd, and, and we get, uh, I, I think, anyway, uh, announcers get a little bit too cliche-ish, but they got to get the crowd into it, or the crowd got back into it. The other night was legitimate. They scored that first goal, and the crowd did become a factor in that game. And I, I think it, uh, it earned them the two points, much like it did uh, a couple of weeks ago in the first game with the crowd against Minnesota when they launched the comeback. That's going to be awesome if the uh, capacity limit gets raised to, like, the, you know, 7,500, 8,000, 8,500. Oh, 
it'll be it'll be like like walking into uh, the big house uh, for a hockey game that <laughs> so they did funny. a couple of years ago. Just rocket, right? Isn't it funny? It, it's so it's so relative. You know, we're used to yeah. the place jam packed, and now you're like thirty five hundred sounds really loud. Yeah, and it does because you get that. Uh, we went so long without the reactions to simple things like a close play at the blue line or somebody yelling uh, "get it out" or "shoot" or 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 a big cheer off a penalty kill. Like those those things, the crowd murmur machine doesn't quite have the the uh, artificial intelligence to pick up on. But those little things have become a big thing uh, when you're watching the game live. Yeah, I was curious. I wanted to pick your brain on this, uh, Darren, because this is something that kind of stuck out to me uh, as uh, we have seen Robin Leonard be a little vocal with everything uh, around his injury and the mysterious circumstances. Uh, your takeaway, because, you know, his emphatic coming out and, and kind of defending himself, I'm, in, I'm really surprised about the questioning of Leonard. He seems like a really stand-up guy. You tie that in with the past that we know about, and not so much just his past with the substance, but, but with the, the feeling of wanting to be wanted by a franchise like it was pretty troublesome that he had to come out and defend himself the other day yeah and, and let's let's be straight up uh with everybody here john is is there was there was whispers around the league i didn't i didn't hear them myself like when when david shane asked the question and it was a great question uh because he addressed what he had been hearing around the national hockey league and and he had the the uh wherewithal to to ask that question and I, I, there's a lot of people, and I'm not sure I would have uh, asked that question of, of Robin Leonard. So good on him, and he got a great response. Uh, but uh, I believe Jane, uh, Shane's, uh, David Shane's reporting in that uh, that there were whispers, and and Robin Leonard uh, acknowledged that he had heard those whispers. It's 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 another sign that you're not quite there when it comes to mental health being fully accepted as a, as an illness or an injury. Uh, but I think it also will go along, like Robin's answer, will go a long way to make those people who did question or did uh, talk about uh, this with colleagues and, and it create uh, a murmur in the background, uh, maybe they think twice about uh, about raising the mental health uh, issue. It's, it's too easy. It's, it's way too easy. And I'm, and I'm not saying you can't speculate about injury, because I've certainly done that uh, over the course of my time, whether it's ACL or a back or whatever. Is he dealing with that again? But uh, to make the leap that uh, somebody's been out of the lineup longer than expected and because they've had uh, admitted uh, challenges and battles with mental health, that they've, they've gone in a different direction and in the wrong direction, is, uh, was just, placed wrong, just plain wrong. And uh, I give Robin Leonard credit for doing it eloquently uh, with some passion, but, uh, but not, uh, not being preachy, but, uh, but stand up with him. Darren, couldn't the issue just be cut off almost immediately by the Knights? How about just come out with a statement, it's not mental health? Well, see, there's the thing is uh, I didn't know that there was the whispers around, so I don't know whether they had heard the whispers. I thought that about were it, no, Darren, no, I'll, no, I'll, no. I, I thought about it right away. That was the first thing I thought. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I well, mean, uh, I knew that it was a concussion because it was, uh, it was alluded to on a couple of different occasions with uh, head coach Pete DeBoer that uh, that there was a symptoms and he was he was getting through it and uh, they were they were keeping updated so uh, I, I was on board with it being a concussion and never questioned it uh, but I'm not saying that 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 you're you're wrong I just from my side of it yeah. I never went there and never never thought of it now injuries are are very uh, guarded in, in the National Hockey League and I had this conversation with that Graney uh, yesterday 
uh, the, we, we get kind of get used to the football model, but because I mean football is more public because of, of gaming, and uh, and there's not that uh, influence on the National Hockey League, so they do keep it uh, closer to the vest. I I would like I would like to know every injury. I, I certainly would, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's just that's not the way it works in, in the National League. Uh, we got another tough situation. Darren Millard is with us, and uh, he's on the broadcast team for the Vegas Golden Knights. We got the COVID list again, and William Carlson's yeah. on it, and but it comes on the heels of. A lot of us freaking out because Mark Andre Fleury was on, and then you know we thought uh, from you know Reeves kind of alluding to it, it's a positive test. I mean, that, now I don't I don't know what to think because it turned out Fleury was a false positive. Like, what's going on with William Carlson? We don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, and and I was uh, I was guilty at the the front half of this campaign of of not really checking that COVID list every day. Like something comes up, you'll yeah. you'll find out about it. Now it's become must check every day uh, at the time that uh, that it's released that, that it comes up but uh, William Carlson not available tonight uh, in the lineup and there was nothing mentioned in this morning's uh, briefing uh, nobody uh, asked about it and there was nothing brought up so uh, this is uh, this is a bit of a, another turn uh, and challenge for the Vegas Golden Knights who lose uh, the, the top centerman in their lineup uh, uh, from uh, from an overall standpoint and if Chandler Stevenson can't go then you're down your Two top centers, and it makes it even even more challenging in a in a season of uh, continual uh, just putting your back against the wall and saying how are you going to get out of this yep. one. Uh, how crazy were the accommodation situations between getting booted from one hotel and then in another <laughs> with uh, Mark Andre Fleury? It's like uh, he's got to be isolated, and you know now he's stuck in the whole uh, hotel thinking that he's got COVID. Yeah, and, and uh, like I don't even I don't know whether Williams with the team or whether he they, they learned of this before. Uh, I would assume he's with the team and 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 put in his in his room and he has to be in quarantine like like Marc Andre Fleury. But uh, a little bit of rest and a little bit of downtime. William doesn't have children, but uh, those of us with children would take 24 hours of banishment to a uh, to a hotel room and not being able to not being allowed to leave for a while. Heck yeah! There you go. All right, Dan, hey, we appreciate you joining us on a game day, and I hope your bracket's working out. Uh, I hope so, too, but I have no faith in that. But I'll, I'll continue to listen to you guys. Chris Chapman's phoning in from the, from the Fox studio. He's obviously not listening right now. Oh, boy. That's, right. uh, that's an issue. Well, we're working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> He'll get the show scheduled at some point. Be good, boys. See ya. There you go, Darren Millard. All right, the 12 looks like they're in pretty good shape. Up 12, and I want to jinx it. Uh, Oregon State. Up 12 against Tennessee, the five. There's 2.07 left in that one. We'll get you primed for the uh, evening tilts, the uh, next set of games coming up. And uh, we're also uh, hopefully uh, inside of about 10 minutes from talking to a a former UNLV player and getting his take on T.J. Altsberger bailing for Iowa State. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. My good buddy Seth Davis, when he makes predictions, you should not pay them any attention. I, he normally gets it wrong. He's like the jinx. He, they, they call it the kiss of Seth. Eric Musselman heard it, and he said that he was using that type of negative energy to fuel his ball club. As Eric Musselman's bunch has punched their ticket into the round of 32. First tournament victory for the Razorbacks since 2017. Now back to Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas. As CBS with the call there as uh, the must bus rolls on in Arkansas. Tight game early. Colgate falls by 17. And, yeah, on the uh, bracket release show, uh, two of the 
darlings, upset darlings that Seth Davis went with were Colgate, a 14. And he was very dismissive. Well, he was actually on Winthrop. Winthrop? Winthrop. And I also thought he was very dismissive of Colorado, so we'll see how that works out later on. But uh, poking some fun at uh, the kiss of Seth. Ten-point game now, John. Uh-oh, you called it over about ten minutes ago. Oregon State trying to run out the clock here. Just got fouled. 116 left, 12 over 5. It's a 10-point game. So we'll track that one for you. Like my chances. Okie State starts off the uh, next set of four games against Liberty. You said there was a lot of betting on Liberty, right? Uh, yeah, some spots open 9.5, closed 7.5 and, and some others. So your boy came in. I'm in on Okie State. Minus 7. Let's go. I should mention every coach on my list of 65 head coaching candidates for UNLV. Including God. Wayne Tinkle is on there from Oregon State. Uh, Liberty is playing now. Richie McKay also on the list. He's the coach of Liberty. 4-0 Oklahoma State leads that one early, about a minute and a half in. So these are the games tonight. Well, there's games late tonight. Not late for us, but late East Coast. Uh, Here's a set of four games coming up. So we got Liberty and Oklahoma State just tipped off. Did you bet Wisconsin, North Carolina? I did not. That one's going to go in about 30 minutes. I took Wisconsin pretty much out of the gates. I think I have them at plus two. It's one and a half right now. North Carolina, the eight favorite over the Badgers, nine. Cleveland State and Houston, um, that's a two and a 15. Uh, by the way, both Dennis Gates and Kelvin Sampson on the Cofield 65 list for the UNLV job. As they should. Houston, 20-point favorite, total 135. North Texas and Purdue, that one's down to seven. Purdue a four, North Texas a 13. A 13. They didn't have anything on it. So, what did you think of Izzo during the game and after the game? Tom Izzo, coach of Michigan State, walking off the floor at halftime, and then a lot of people got on him, and then he responded. Yeah, so Tom Izzo, for those who didn't see, which I'm surprised you didn't now, you know, went viral, whatever. Tom Izzo and Gabe Brown get into it at halftime. Uh, from what I understand, Brown miscommunication on, on a switch or something defensively. Uh, ultimately, Izzo's not happy. I just, I always feel kind of icky when I see, like, overly heated coach screaming at young player, right? Whether it is, like, high school, little league type stuff, uh, whether it's even college players. Gabe Brown's only 21. Like, he is. He's a kid. I know I'm, th- I'm an old man. I'm 30. You know what I mean? So I, I respect these children these days. Um I just I never really liked the vibe of seeing that, and then especially when Izzo kind of snatches at him to get him back, like to like to pay attention. Like to me, that's a very disrespectful move, especially as an elder, as a man who, by the way, gets paid to do this, right? And ultimately, his motivation, Tom Izzo, is self-preservation because his job is to succeed and to win games. And you know, it's a it's a really deep conflict. But I didn't really like the entire exchange. And let me note too, the uh, opposition. Mick Cronin is not a saint in this either. Mick Cronin no. does this kind of stuff all the time. And, again, I, I think it's just something that's kind of, ugh, it never really sits with me uh, very well. But Izzo, after the game, addressed the confrontation with Brown, uh, said, quote, he, Brown, missed a play. I told him he walked away, so I told him to come back, uh, which, by the way, way to gloss over the fact that you grabbed at his jersey and tried to yank him back. We went through this a couple of years ago. It was a, nor- it was a normal nothing. It's just that in this day and age, everything's something. It was over a missed switch that we talked about. Downplaying it and trying to do the whole, like, you know, today, back in the day, I could have punched him in the face in the locker room and nobody would have said a word. Like, come on, dude. I just think at some point you're in a position of power. You obviously had a crappy year because you're playing in the first four. 
it just didn't look right for me, and it never really looks right. With Come up with better ways to communicate. Grow as a human being. Right. Stop being so immature and stubborn. You don't have to scream at people and mock and chide them. We don't do that on Cofield and Company. No. Not at all. Um, but you don't have to do that. You don't. And it's not about kids being softer today, and that you know older folks are always going to back that. Um, it's about being able to adjust. Right. And frankly, I, I brought this up the last time it came up. Um, if you agree with Izzo, if you're subordinate and, you, and you're and you at a workplace and your boss screams at you like that, that says a lot about you. You are a pansy. You don't stand up for yourself. You're, you're cool. That's, that's how you get motivated is your boss screaming at you and potentially grabbing a jersey, and you can fire back and say, it's sports, it's different. Not really. Management is management, and everyone's got to decide how best to get across their message. And if it's always screaming and yelling, and frankly, Izzo during the games – I wonder how much he's actually concentrating on X's and O's. I'm not saying he's lost it, but he spent so much of the game Mm -hmm. just screaming and whining at the officials. Like, dude, like I know that's a small part of the game. Coach the game. Uh, I 100% agree, and I was totally with Brown, who went back at him and started to get back in his face. Like, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, and I think your point's great. You know of instances personally where I don't, like, I haven't yeah. taken, you know what I mean? Yeah. I haven't taken we, we We often would ride you into the ground, and a couple of times you were like, stop, enough. And it here's was, the thing. Now, even now, the, now the flip side of that, you flipped out. Yeah, it, was, flip, it wasn't that nice. Now, the flip side of it is, though, <laughs> may, maybe I would say Izzo has determined with certain players that's how, that's how they respond, and he actually wants them to come back and get mad. But is it every player, Tom Izzo? No. Is it every player? Because that doesn't seem like a great management style. No, it doesn't. And I, and I think, too, like, to me, it's you put it all together with the big picture, like the year that they were having, all of this stuff. It just it just doesn't sit right with me. And you know, maybe this is me getting softer as I have, you know, my child now. And uh, I would probably yeah. get irritated if that was my kid out there getting screamed at by this old man, yeah. right, and getting in his face. But at the end of the day, I think your point overall is just like, like, look, I've been in situations where I've been in charge of people, and it is just I've never understood the screaming in your face mentality. Like you get. What's the phrase? You get more ants with honey or whatever the, whatever garbage phrase you use. Lies, I think. Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, but at the end of the day, but it's also just important to respect people, man. Yep. Like, it, it's just, it's a very important aspect. And clearly, by the way, didn't work. Up 11 nope. <laughs> at halftime, and you're going home. So, like, I just I just didn't really like the whole thing. Uh, coming up next, let's talk uh, more about T.J. Altsberger uh, bailing, bolting Las Vegas for Iowa State. Noah Robotham, former UNLV player, is going to be with us. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. So Shannon, late in the clock, step back. It was touched, boarded, offensive rebound, big one from Edwards. Looks it right back up, second chance bucket, and Chris Beard has the fist pump because his Red Raiders are playing great down the stretch. Now back to Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas. That still eats away at me, Chris Beard. And his name's come up. By the way, Texas Tech won today against Utah State. Pulled away big time in the second half, so Beard is on to the next round. Uh, his name's come up a bunch the last couple of days when people are defending T.J. Altsberger for walking away from UNLV. They're like, well, if it's your dream destination, like, you know, Chris Beard, then of course... It's okay. By the way, I don't think that Texas Tech is actually his dream destination. I think he might take the Indiana job, and I think Texas is the ultimate job destination. So I'm wondering what people say down the road when they're like, he left for his dream spot. He will have, like, at least two more jobs before he's done. Beard aside, 
Let's talk about T.J. Altsenberger. Let's talk about the UNLV basketball program. We got a guy who really cares about it. Uh, he's a local. Noah Robotham is with John Von Tobel and Cofield. How you doing, Noah? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're good. So I just, you know, I've been asking all the former players. We had Curtis Terry on uh, yesterday. What's your reaction to another coach, in this case, uh, TJ, leaving UNLV high and dry? You mad? You disappointed? What are your feelings? Um, I mean, first and foremost, um, I don't think that uh, – I think it was a tough decision for him, obviously. Um, but I do understand that Iowa State's his dream school. And, uh, you know, he, he met his wife there, and he coached there and had great success there. So as much as it stings, uh, you know, to be a UNLV fan and want to see him do really well, um, I understand the reasoning behind it. So I'm sure you talk to followers of the program, and right now we're a couple of days removed from this, and, you know, you get this vibe like, man, it's hopeless, no one wants to coach here, no one wants to stay here. What do you say to fans and, and friends who love UNLV basketball when they're so down in the dumps? I think I would just tell them just be patient. Um this is obviously a, a difficult thing to figure out. There's a lot of different things that go into uh, being a successful college basketball coach, especially at UNLV, um, especially having the history of UNLV and what Coach Sharkanian did for UNLV. Um, it's difficult because I feel like a lot of people, you know, those are the glory days, and that's what um, a lot of the things kind of get uh, compared to. And it, it, it's a tough situation for, for someone to kind of come into, but the right person I think would do a really good job and they'll really uh, flourish uh, in a great city like Las Vegas. We'll, we'll follow up on that, what the future looks like in about five minutes, but let's stick on the, the current situation and how we're feeling right now. Um, looking back at the two years, what do you think of the job that Altsenberger did? I thought he did. I, I actually thought he did pretty well. Um, I like the plays that he ran. Uh, he came from, like I said, he came from Iowa State, came from Washington, came from South Dakota State, where where he had a ton of success. Um, but this this thing is difficult. Uh, I, I would assume that there's a lot of roster turnover every time you come in, right? So there's a couple ways to be successful extremely early. Either you need to have, you know, high end recruits and uh, do it that way, or you have to have guys kind of um, guys stay there for a while. And with all this roster turnover, you're, you're not really going to get either because there's, no, there's not a lot of stability in the program, so what are guys going to do? And after Menzies um, got fired and Osterberger came in, you know, Joel leaves, JTT leaves, Amari leaves. Like, that, that's difficult. Now you're trying to bring in guys last second. You're trying to bring in guys in April and May. And a lot of the good players, whether they're Juco players, whether they're high school kids, or their transfers, they're probably going to go to a school that maybe they've been committed to since December or January. So it's it's a lot of different things. I think it's going to take time, though. Well, we've got Noah on. Noah Robotham is here with us, a former UNLV player, a local. Uh, Otto Berger's off to Iowa State. I really wanted John today to, to talk about the players' perspective. So, like, I think that's up, underrepresented. Uh, this is a really tough situation. And I, I, I'll tell you the guy I feel for the most, two of them, uh, Mbake Jong, who made a commitment to do different coaches and, you know, for different reasons, they're out. But also Marvin Coleman, who's won over two different coaching staffs. And now Marvin, I assume, is going to stay around. He loves UNLV. He's a local. You know, now Marvin's got to go through and, you know, develop a relationship with a third coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a, uh, a difficult feeling. I remember being in, in the room and, and feeling that when Coach left. And I remember the looks on guys' faces and um, – 
yeah, it's not ideal because you really don't know. And the guy who comes in, he owes nothing to you. Yeah. And as much as, you know, um, Marv has worked really hard and Mbake has worked really hard, the new guy coming in, he doesn't have to have loyalty to those players. That, that That's not what you sign up for the job to do. You sign up to, to win games and do the best for what you can do. And if that person's not in, in, in your best interest or that player uh, is not who the coach wants or for whatever reason wants to bring in his own guys, the guys like Marvin, the guys like Mbake are the ones that kind of get the short end of the stick, and, and that's the worst part. You were around Bryce Hamilton. You know, he's, mm-hmm. an, inter- he's an interesting guy. He's a quiet guy. You, know, you may know him better in terms of you know, him being verbal, more verbal than he is in public. How do you think Bryce is feeling now? I mean, he laid it all on the line. He played injured at times this year. Um, I mean, I'm sure he wants to win. I don't know if he's you know thinking, hey, I can play professional basketball. Where do you think Bryce Hamilton is, is right now in terms of his thoughts? Uh, I mean, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I know Bryce uh, a lot well than probably the average person knows, you know, being his teammate. And uh, he, he is naturally a quiet person, and he's had uh, he had a solid freshman year and then two great years the past two years. So it's going to be difficult. Um, you know, who, who comes in? What, what can they tell him to make him stay? Uh, you got to always think a guy like that. Look, if you average over 15 points in college, you, huh. you can transfer and go anywhere in the country. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you know, Bryce could go to any school in the country if he, if he wanted to leave. That's just a fact of, of, of reality. And uh, with the professional route, uh, it's something he's going to have to talk to, you know, with his family. And it's, like I said, it, it's really difficult. He he stayed loyal to UNLV, and now he's probably going to be in a position where he has to do what's, what's best for himself because he did what's best for, for the program or, or maybe, you know, just trying to stick things out. And it's it's difficult. And, and you're asking, you know, 19, 20-year-old kids to make these make these decisions and you have a short time to make a decision sometime a coach will put an ultimatum on you and say hey you have a couple of weeks to decide what you want to do if yeah. not you know we have to move on because we have to get these scholarships out and it's difficult yeah no doubt no robotham's on the horn with espn las vegas and cofield and company i'm so glad we're talking about the players because again i think it's it's overlooked we just start talking about the adults in the situation and millions of dollars and who can come in next and you know it's the it's the guys who are caught in between and i'm gonna give you something else that really annoys me and it's probably not gonna be a question i'm just gonna say it and you can react um i saw the iowa state ad yesterday you know really trying to build uh tj up in terms of his candidacy and i've seen this a lot around the unlv program where people will say well it was a rebuild and you know he had a short roster and i don't know to me that's if i were a player i'd be insulted like what do you mean it was it was a rebuild like i i put my my heart on the line i played hard like don't yeah, and TJ didn't say it, but don't build up the guy's resume by saying, well, you know, the, the teams he had just weren't that good. And, you know, it was like he was starting out, you know, from the bottom. Like, he was not starting out from the bottom. No, he had he had some good players returning. That's not fair to the players who played the last couple of years. Absolutely, yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, if I see the other side of it, right, the, the Iowa State, you know, coach had a rough year. And, you know, you look at the record, so you, you have to make the Iowa State fans. Right. You know, happy to to have a new coach and to make it sound like the right hire. I think you have to, yeah. You, 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 the AD is trying to make their program look good, but on the other hand, yes, the, the players are getting slighted because it's like, what, well, what do we do? Right. And it, it, it's a it's a it's, it's a lose lose situation all the way around. I'll just say on the roster turnover, um, you mentioned some of the guys who left. I don't know how many really gave Otts a chance. I think some did, and they were told, no, thank you. Um, and then you had a, 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 some guys out there, Trey Woodbury, um, mm-hmm. Ben Coupette. They both mm-hmm. went on. 
you know, Coupet, I think, well, Coupet could play another year. He's been good at Little Rock. Woodbury's developed into a really nice player for Utah Valley. Last year, Donnie Tillman, yeah, I know Donnie had some discipline issues, but Donnie had a nice year for New Mexico State. So I just, I want to, I want the audience to hear the whole story. Like, there were good players here, and the coaches led by Otts decided to make some changes and, and change things up, you know, go with different players. So I don't want it to, you know, sound like, you know, he would, the cupboard was bare because that was not the case. So tell the audience, Noah, what, what you think UNLV should do just in terms of the type of coach from this standpoint. Should it be another up-and-comer like TJ, or should it be someone who's on a second or third stop um, thinking like, hey, this may be their final destination. They're going to stay around. Yeah, a lot of things go into that decision. I think first and foremost, uh, you want someone who really wants to be here and, and is proud to coach UNLV and give the fans and give the players and give the community um, like a, a, a sense of grace, right, that they're happy to be there and they're, and they're happy to, to, to do this for UNLV. And then when it comes to what to look for in a coach, like I said, it, it, it is difficult only because you got to think it, it's hard to get top top recruits. And it's either going to do that or you're going to be patient and let the and let the coach develop and get the players. And that takes time. That that typically takes two years. We'll, we'll look in the past. Um, and it also depends on roster turnover. Uh, for example, I think Dave Rice, two years in, they had a good team, but guys were old. That third year, that's when he finally, I want to say, went to the tournament. Um, you have people like uh, – Look at Nate Oates. He's at Alabama now. He was at Buffalo. When he got roster turnover from Bobby Hurley, the whole team stayed. So, of course, he had great years. And then he went to Alabama. That team stayed. And then he get, brings in a Javon Quinterly, a former five-star recruit. Like, there's just a lot of things that have to go the right way. And if I was to say what I think would be best is find a guy who wants to be here, see his philosophy, see how he's done at his previous schools, you know, what coaches are he, is he going to bring along with him? And you have to give the person time. And that's, that's a difficult thing because, like I said, the glory days, I think people want that immediate satisfaction. They want to win right away. But the way that thing, thing, things change, things evolve, and I think we have to be patient and wait for someone to show, just show and prove, right? The first year is going to be difficult. It is what it is, especially with the way that people can just leave now, right? People can just transfer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's going to make the job a lot difficult. Or on the other side, you know, maybe it makes guys come here. So I think it just it has to be something that has to be um, dealt with a lot a lot of patience, but the right person I think could do a really good job. No, Robotham is with us. Well, I, there's a guy on the staff. I think DeMarlo Slocum would you know love to have the job, but especially Kevin Kruger. Kevin wants to be here. Could you mm-hmm. could you make the pitch for Kevin to be the guy? Yeah, I know I know Kevin pretty well. Uh, you know, growing up here, he's one of my favorite players, and when there was. You know the coaching change. I was still obviously at UNLV, so I got to you know speak to Kevin for the last couple months. And yeah, he's a great coach. Um, he learned from his his father, who's a phenomenal coach. Um, like I said, it, it's it's hard for me to say which coach I like the most. Um, I think Kevin would be a great addition to UNLV. He's someone who understands basketball, who won at the Big Twelve. Um, they got Trey Young, who was the best player in college basketball. So he's, they've proven that their system works. They can get elite players, and it, it'll be interesting. But, again, he's someone who really wants to be here. He's someone who's, who's coached in the Big 12, and he's learning from, you know, his father's one of the best coaches in, in college basketball. So um, it would make sense. Uh, but there are also a lot of other good candidates out there I think that could do a really good job. But if you haven't got the job, 
um, I think that would be good as well. Noah, uh, tell the audience what you've been doing with yourself, uh, you know, post UNLV and uh, also uh, how you dealt with the pandemic. It wasn't the easiest year for a lot of us. Yeah, I think uh, the pandemic did make things uh, very difficult. Um, it's definitely, you know, I, I plan on going overseas and playing, and there's been a lot of restrictions. And also, you, you don't really feel that comfortable going over there because you don't know what's in place with the way these quarantines are set up, with the team, uh, with the way that teams' budgets are set up. So, you know, hopefully, you know, when things clear up, hopefully within the next, you know, six to you know six months, uh, get out there and start playing. And, um, yeah, it's been tough. I actually had – I'm pretty sure I had COVID about um, two months ago. Wow. And uh, it was a difficult, difficult 10 days. Um, but luckily I got through it and uh, I'm healthy. So definitely, definitely a difficult time, though. Noah, glad you're doing well. Let's talk more often. And um, have you done okay today in terms of your picks? I, mean, I assume you, you picked a bracket. Do you see anything interesting today that uh, caught your attention? I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have any picks this year. Oh, um, okay. I didn't make a bracket. Uh, obviously, Laurel Roberts over Ohio State was a was a huge win for them. Yeah. But um, I, wa- I watched the, the the Baylor game. Uh, one of my former teammates is a GA there, so um, I like to watch those games. But it's it's the best time of the year. It's you know obviously I believe one the, the best sporting event. Uh, March Madness, you know uh, anything can happen. So it'll be interesting to see how this year pans out and how COVID affects teams and if they have to forfeit. I mean, imagine a a team forfeiting a game that's like a, a two seed and or a three seed and they're playing a, a 14 seed it would it would be it would be a uh, pretty ludicrous yep all right Noah. glad you're doing well thank you yep no problem there he is Noah robotham former unlv player real leader on that squad for two years including the uh, the year he sat out and uh, had a great second half and uh, with that marvin menzies team we'll address that later on about you know what was accomplished the last couple of years and you know, what the program would have looked like maybe with two more years of Marvin Menzies. I know a lot of people, you know, cringe at that. Uh, they kind of close the book on him. But it, it's UNLV is in a real interesting position now as they're looking for the next leader of the program. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.